you, you, you are now listening to the Project Kuwait. To the Project Kuwait. To the Project Kuwait. Where we stop at nothing to bring you the right facts on health, fitness, and psychology. Featuring some of the world's most experienced professionals. So you can learn, lift, and live. With your hosts, Meg, Dr. D, and Mandy. Mindstar with Kristen Rulon. That was a good episode. That was a very good episode. I enjoyed it. Yes, it was. And I think it was so informative. I like the idea that she was talking about her autistic child, yeah. her experience, the difference between her and her husband. And, you know, it really relates a lot to our listeners and people in Kuwait. Definitely. She dives deep into these issues and talks about autism almost being a blessing and how she embraced it and kind of went forward with it and how she was, you know, happy to know. So I think that was great. And it's a good, you know, it's a good tool for people to understand. And, you know, that's kind of later on in the show. And also, uh, you can refer back to other sh- one of our other shows with Esma Belriti, Proud Mom Diaries. She was on uh, episode 15, I believe. So that's a good show to refer to. But I mean, she really put it in perspective and her application, Mindstar, is amazing. That's amazing. I think it's going to be so beneficial taking care of yourself in a simple way where people really understand what does it mean to be. I mean, I love the way she was saying, like, taking care of yourself or self-care doesn't have to be expensive because she is right. Every time you tell someone, go take care of yourself, they assume I'm asking for a 50 dinar massage or face or or whatever. And she really puts it in perspective. I can't wait till she launches this Oh, definitely. And let us know how you guys like the show. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes and you may win a free t-shirt. And Dr. D actually might say that next time. (laughs) All this and more in today's episode. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. She's telling us about herself, right? Are you going to introduce her? No, she's going to introduce herself. She's gonna introduce Don't you love herself? the way we call yeah, this? Is, yeah, this is how we start things, apparently. <laughs> it's dynamic. Okay. No, we're very laid back and chill. Yeah. So, you know. So, Kristen, you're, you're, you're up. We're tossing it over to you. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I love that. And you might regret that. <laughs> giving me the floor. But my name is Kristen Rulon. I am the founder and CEO of Mindstar Health. My company is a uh, particular company that has an app, but we also advocate self-care. Our mission is self-care awareness for all minds because we believe that all minds deserve to shine. So essentially, we do have an app coming out, but we're more than that. We're going to be doing some self-care programs in schools and online. And overall, we're about self-care education and awareness, like I said, for everyone. My background actually is journalism, so I do not have a very professional mental health degree. Not yet, though I have debated it. But essentially, I took my journalism degree and used that to basically those skills come in handy for my passion of mental health. And here's why mental health has become my passion. About four and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with severe postpartum depression and anxiety from the birth control shot. Now, to give a little bit of a background on that, we just had our third child. And so when they told me that I could have more severe baby blues, which is a very common saying, I thought I was fine. My husband had actually was in the military. He actually was deployed. He had actually just come home from the deployment. We found out we were pregnant with our daughter, had our daughter. So I thought I had a husband who had went to war and back. I raised two small children at that time on my own and had a full-time job. So I'm just adjusting to three kids. I've got this. And a week later, I like to tell people that essentially I was this mirror. I was this person that was very happy being a writer, married, kids, good friends, and can travel on occasion. And that was my life. But then this shattered me. I basically say I was a mirror and this shattered me. And now I'm a beautiful mosaic of all different colors because 
my self-talk completely changed. I was not aware of self-talk at the time and the importance of it, but I was calling myself uh, things that I wouldn't dare say out loud. And so I went to the doctor and they said, sure enough, you have severe postpartum depression, anxiety. Here are some pills. Just know it could take up to two years for your body to regulate itself. So get ready. And so me being me at that time, I did not seek help. Uh, The medicine made me very sick. And so I got off the medication and thought, I'm going to fight this naturally. So I am a a testament that eating healthy and working out is sometimes not enough. So for the first year, I did that. I got a little better. And then when my daughter, around her first birthday, I did. I had kind of a breakdown. I had a major panic attack. Uh, shock waves. I mean, it literally felt like my body was in shock. And I decided, Kristen, you're going to get through this, but who are you going to be after this? Is this going to define you? Is this going to be your life? And I said, no. So I started to use this journalistic brain. You're a researcher, you're a writer, you love to read, use it. So I started researching the mind from various aspects. So from psychological, scientific aspects, spiritual aspects. And that's how I kind of got myself out of that funk is I started reprogramming, rewiring my mind to realize that I wasn't alone. Many people go through this. In fact, they say now that one in four people will experience depression in their lifetime and one in 25 will experience a type of mental condition that is debilitating. So it makes them hard to really function. You know, and if you look at the brain, you know, when they do studies, the same part of the brain lights up, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain, which is why they, you know, this is why depression hurts. And so taking this knowledge, I started doing all this personal work. And 18 months ago, my oldest handed me a worksheet uh, with a star on it. And I had just got home from working out and I was cooking dinner. And I looked at this at the star and I said out loud, where's my star for being an adult? We teach our children good behavior. Where is it for me? Especially when it comes to taking care of ourselves and getting those self-care tools out there, those, those techniques out there that can help ourselves. And then I saw um, a package Uh, I get a beauty subscription in the mail and I saw the pink packaging and I thought, couldn't businesses do more to support us in our personal development journey? So as a creative, I just journaled and I thought, I actually tried to give the app idea away. I tell people, if you want to work on your limiting beliefs, start pursuing your passion or start a business because every limiting belief about yourself is going to come up. Yeah. So I essentially said, nope, I try to give it away to people. I had this app idea, take it. And so a few months later, um, a company in Silicon Valley, actually, because I posted on Instagram, again, I was trying to give this away. And so they found me through the hashtag app idea. And they approached me and said, Hey, we love your idea. You want to talk to us? And I resisted. I was like, no, this is not, I'm still a little leery about you know business through Instagram. Um, and so I was like, this is this can't be real. And so, but they, they were very nice and being persistent and said, let's talk. So I did, I talked to them and I was not familiar with business and how you pitch and excuse me, how you um, kind of do business, how business meetings go, so to speak. And I talked for 45 minutes and we put a plan in place that it was actually affordable for us. And then a few weeks later, we flew to California. It was my first time I'm in the Midwest. So it was my first time going to California and there I am with Facebook and Google. I'm in Silicon Valley. It was trippy. And so I met them. We came up with a plan and then we started building Mindstar. I used my you know magazine design background to design the app, uh, come up with the photos and logos and things of this nature. And I've basically been my own hype man, so to speak. I've been my own PR person with using my journalistic background to write and get the awareness out there. And we've been at a couple of 
events. We were an exhibitor at the Forbes Under 30 Summit. We were invited to come there, which was great. We've been listed a top startup for the IO Summit in Midwest and the top 50 startups there. And that's essentially how it kind of came to be. So building this company has also been incredibly cathartic in my process and seeing how much this is needed to have a, to have a type of app where you can build your own self-care routine and we have curated suggestions and then how you can build your own routine, check in over time and earn points for every task that you do for yourself. And whenever you reach so many points in the app, you unlock a reward from a business. So then you're emailed essentially a coupon from a business saying, you know, good job on your personal development. Here's 20% off or a free t-shirt whatever it may be. So it's a great way for small businesses to get involved with people. They support people and their mental health. And then it's also obviously good for the person that's the user because they're being celebrated and rewarded for their self-care. Wow. Sounds like you put a lot of work into yeah. this. Wow. But I mean, who would have imagined? Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's you know, why you were talking. I was thinking that's true. You know, how many people really think about self-care being very important, especially after postpartum and anxiety and, and realizing after your third child and, and your husband being deployed, not being there. Just, you know, I mean, most people would think I'll take medication. I'll make sure that this is a quick fix and then hopefully exercise and diet. But it's nice that you've thought about it in, in a different way that obviously you need to do more than just medication or diet or exercise. There's more substantial. Yeah. Yeah. When I talk about self-care, um, I call it the self-care wheel and there's different components to self-care. So for me, if you look that up and you Google, it depends on, love you will have different categories, but I break it down in, into five practical, emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. And the spiritual part, I include connection and social under that because everyone's spiritual or religious beliefs are different. But at the end of the day, we all believe in connection, right? We can all have a conversation with someone and it lifts our spirits. So I break it down like that. And yeah, the physical part, which is the eating healthy and working out and getting good sleep, those are vital things. And science proves that. But that's not enough. And unfortunately, suicide rates, especially in the U.S., show that. Um, how many people are physically fit and you think they've just they've got the, you know, the whole world in front of them. And we find out they've been dealing, battling things on their own, which is incredibly sad. So when I talk about self-care and I give self-care suggestions for the emotional mental aspect, I do that because I want people to know that that's the most important part is your mindset because you can do all the things that you want to do. But if you're not dealing with those emotions, if you're not finding ways to really nurture yourself emotionally and mentally, it's going to be an uphill battle to reach those goals and to be successful in whatever you have chosen to do as far as a career. Or even if you have decided to you know, be at home for several years to raise your children, my children are still small and they are four, seven, and 10. So they're still very much in the house and very active. And there are still um, challenges there, even even with teenagers. I mean, being a parent is, um, it is, it's the most rewarding and hardest job. But so it's so much self-sacrifice that we don't really think about taking care of ourselves. I like to use the cup analogy of essentially you are a cup and you pour out cup, you know, whereas you take care of someone, you're given a little bit of this and a little bit of that from your cup. At the end of the day, how much is left for yourself and who's replenishing that cup? Well, that's your responsibility to refill that cup. And you need to find ways to nurture yourself, whatever that may be. And there's so many things we can do for ourselves that are essentially free. A lot of people think self-care is expensive. Oh, I have to have money. And self-care is not spa days. Spa days, yeah, sure, that sounds nice, but that's not realistic. That's not the real world. 
And self-care isn't just for women. I mean, men deserve to to feel good too. And so I define self-care as essentially self-care is an act of self-love. It's a way to express self-love, whatever that is. Because essentially when you take care of yourself, you're letting yourself know that you matter. It all comes down to love and how we give love and receive love. And, and without feeling wanna, guilty, because there are some people that really want right. to, they want to uh, oh. engage in self-care, but then we're constantly feeling guilty. I mean, we're all parents here. Yeah. And I feel like if I want to take time for myself, I feel guilty because I work all the time and my kids don't see me. And then when they do see me, I feel like I can't say, spend time by myself or do something because then, you know, I'm neglecting them. I think we do. As human beings, we're constantly struggling with this guilt and with the need of trying to balance. And, you know, I kind of like the, the categories of your self-care. Uh, what were they again? So they're a mental, okay. emotional, all right, physical, spiritual, and practical. I like the practical one. Yeah, because and that practical I mean, I never thought of practical is, being a self-care, you know? That's true. Right, but that goes down to like being responsible and paying your bills, actually looking at your finances, making smart decisions for your family, for the future, actually not ignoring that bill that yeah. came in the mail. Because then that stresses actually, you and, and things pile up. And right. That, we're back to that depression right. or anxiety, I see. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, exactly. It's taking those acts of that as far as time management, you know, and yeah. I tell people, they say they don't have time for self-care. Well, do you have time for Facebook? Do yeah. you have time to check your email? <laughs> and you have you have five minutes for self-care, whatever that could be just literally going into your room by yourself for five minutes and just doing some deep breathing or just sitting there and doing nothing, which is always nice. And if you have time for social media, you have five minutes and it doesn't have to be, I think people think self-care has to be this big elaborate plan. It changed day to day. I meditate every day and some days it's 20 minutes, some days it's two minutes. And I think Sometimes that's great. I think it's true. People don't yeah. really believe that self-care, you made me laugh today. I teach at the university here. It's so funny because I had a student yeah. today saying to me, say, doc, I just don't have time to read 200 pages from this IT in social psychology. I said, you don't have time to yeah. read 200 pages? Well, how many hours does your app say that you've spent on social media? <laughs> and he just looked at right? me. He's like, let me look at your phone. How many hours have you been on? So, and this is like 11 o'clock in the morning, our time, right? Yeah. What the hell? People's priority is really not, they don't have priorities. Their priority is no. screwed up. I was going to say something else, but I really yeah. like <laughs> you, you can say whatever you want. Seriously. Our show is definitely open I mean, to say what you want. I was feeling like, what the hell? Like constantly when you're saying to them that like self-care, I also practice at a clinic here and it's constantly people saying, I don't have time for this or I don't have money for this or I don't have this, you know. Right. They really don't understand. It is like you're saying. I'm so glad that you're simplifying it. Yeah, no, I got a couple questions kind of going sure. going a little further back. Now, with your application, from what I can see on the website, because like you said, it was it hasn't been launched on the iTunes store yet. So a couple questions about the app. So is it more like a reward, like a reward in terms of you get a star in ter for what your accomplishments are? I mean, I'm trying to just gather as much as I can from the website looking at it. Oh, yeah. No, sure. So, yeah, essentially you build a self-care plan in the app. And okay. so it's essentially a self-care tracking app. You build a self-care plan and we've made it very simplistic is that you put your information in once and it's there. There's no journaling. There's no you know, how many calories. We don't care. 
about that. We don't care about, we want to know that you were physically active, you were movement, because it's a study showing, obviously, especially of those that have high anxiety or depression, that movement, getting out of your head, right, and into your body, and the studies of that as far as kind of relieving those those feelings or, or feeling better in the moment. So we've made it really simplistic in that sense of you build your routine, you add your own things, and every day you just double tap that you checked off, you're basically checking off, yes, I did this for myself, and you get, I think right now, it is 100 points per task that you do for yourself. When you reach, I believe the first one is a thousand points, then you are, you unlock a milestone and that milestone is the reward. So I like to tell people it's a very simplistic kind of like my fitness pal, but it's very simplistic and it's like for self-care. So my self-care pal meets Groupon essentially is what it is. So you're going to get different incentives from businesses and whether that is like people that are do candle companies, I've got t-shirt companies. I have some companies that some people that are a life coach. The idea is, is and what I'm really hoping is that we'll get someone that maybe offers maybe a class, maybe it's a, a week at a gym or something. The idea is to offer kind of incentives of different kinds. So then hopefully it gets people kind of out of their comfort zone. Well, I got a week free at a gym. I've always wanted to do rock climbing. Maybe I, I go because I have a week free now. Or maybe I go to that painting class. Or maybe I, I always want to try that coffee shop. Hey, I get a free coffee. I will go. And so it's also kind of a Jedi mind trick, so to speak, of getting people. We're already addicted to their phones. So let's be addicted and get some rewards that celebrate you along the way. That's actually pretty cool. Now, I mean, going back to that and talking about the rewards of things, you have a son. Your son, Jackson, has autism, correct? Yeah. And the way you've described it in your, your profile is that it is rewarding caring for my younger brother has down syndrome like he's he's my young brother's got down syndrome and he's deaf so i can kind of relate to that somewhat just having that rewarding part of the life that you get with with just caring for someone can you talk about that a little bit and did that have any influence in terms of the application sure yeah all my children are my muses all of them are i came up with the mind star looking at my oldest is into space and he is a very sensitive uh boy he is an empath like myself and so looking at the solar system with him while i was brainstorming the name of my business that is from him and i like to tell that my kids are different things and jackson specifically helps me with the present moment and so it is rewarding for him for, to be his to be his mother because he has taught me so much and all my children teach us so many things about life but when you have someone that's special needs it really kind of puts things in perspective of what matters and what doesn't and puts you in the present moment for instance we have a tendency to care what other people think and my son Jackson part of his autism is is that he lacks a filter now I know a lot of people say well I don't have a filter and I just say what I want to say a lot of people know they maybe shouldn't say something and they choose to say it anyway. Jackson is very much when he communicates, he does not think about other people's feelings. If you're at the house and he wants you to leave, he wants you to leave immediately and he wants you to never return. It's very, very like dramatic. And we just know, like, and I have to admit, it's very cute because he's seven. It's, it's, I don't know how it's going to be when he gets older, but he's just, he thinks it and therefore it, it, therefore it is whatever it may be, whether it's inappropriate or not, but it teaches you kind of to not care, to not give a damn. It's like, this is who he is. A lot of people, a lot of adults love his honesty. They find it so refreshing. And it's also quite humorous to see this little boy just be so much. For instance, with the snow, he walked outside and he was like, I really hate snow. It's the worst <laughs> thing ever in the entire <laughs> Me world. Me too. And to be so serious. <laughs> yeah, right. 
pictured like this old man like smoking like this damn snow like it just pictures like his inner person's like this really like angry 80 year old man or something and so that just hates the world and he's not he's very sweet but he's just refreshingly honest and so he teaches me to not care so much what people think and to be in the present moment and to also be compassionate and unconditional love because it takes a lot of patience now when did you you find out when was he diagnosed as autistic when did you guys find okay, out that so he, he was? Yeah, he was extra cool. Uh, so we found out right around the time he turned three here. It took about a six month process of paperwork and things of this nature to actually be seen, um, which I had a feeling probably around two and a half. So he was more like, I guess, three and a half when he actually got diagnosed because I started the paperwork when he was three because he wasn't communicating a lot. Um, he would point at things, but he wasn't. He knew he wanted chips, which is one of his favorites, but he wouldn't say chips. Um, he, he didn't say dad. It was just mom. And he was saying probably about 10 words. And, you know, development wise, especially when you already have a child, you think you don't want to compare, but you kind of have like some red flags go up like, OK, there could be more here. And it might be more than second child syndrome, which is the oldest speaking for the second child. So we started some paperwork here and flee where we're at. There is a special education preschool. And so I was very proactive and just, he was tested at the school. We got him into the, the free preschool and that helped. And then once he was diagnosed, he actually had autism and a development delay. So he had that as well because he was coming in at the te- from the testing. So he, at that point, he was pushing four and he was mentally two. And so again, just kind of being proactive and choosing that research brain, I started studying autism and I started looking into uh, behavioral therapy. So we actually were able with our insurance to be able to have a behavioral, applied behavioral therapist come into the home and work with him individually. It was hard because he would have school, preschool in the mornings, and then he'd have to do three or four hours of therapy um, in the afternoons. But, you know, especially when you have special needs, you kind of go through with being empathetic and understanding and also kind of pushing them out of their comfort zone. Right. Because as humans, we get kind of like, this is our label. So therefore I'm used to this. This is my label. This is who I am. And this is my comfort zone. And then I don't want to steer from it when really amazing things happen out of our comfort zone. I can attest to that. Yes. And so, yeah, so I agree. pushing him a little bit, pushing him. And so we pushed him and you know what, when he was reassessed, he gets reassessed every year. They put him at, so he was at that point, he was, we'll say almost five. So he was like four and 10 months. They had him at mentally four. In a year's time of pushing him development wise, he had brain had expanded, you know, as far as that information and the cognitive and the development in two years time in one year. And the doctors were astounded. They said, how did you do this? And I said, we just pushed him very lovingly, but we did preschool, we did the therapy and we did our research and started studying autism and what his autism looks like. Everyone is different. And the same goes when you're autistic, everyone's is different. So understanding what Jackson's autism looks like, and we're still navigating that. And because people change. And like I said, he wasn't a bit of a runner and didn't have sensory issues. And now he does. So now we're exploring that. So by pushing him and knowing what he was capable of and reminding him what he's capable of, we're able to get him out of place to where now he goes to a, a school. It's a special needs school for first grade. And he has a paraprofessional with him, one-on-one in his teacher, and he is thriving. He's actually doing math. He won't know. He he refuses to learn his letters because he doesn't need to learn how to read because he thinks that I will be there to read for him forever. 
So <laughs> it's very, he's very smart. And so, but he is doing math. He will do basic, you know, one plus one, two plus two. So those are things that we weren't even sure he'd be able to do. You know, now his vocabulary has expanded and I'm excited to see where he, he tests cognitively. He was right on schedule last year for being six. He was around five, five and a half. So we were happy with that. So I'm curious to see what we going to be for for this year now that he's seven but that's essentially it so it is incredibly rewarding getting back to your question because when you start doing mindful work and you start really trying to be in the present moment you could just see how much of a gift and how unique every person is but especially when someone has special needs there's just this i don't know there's he just exudes this love and this energy that is just so unique in jackson that it does. It makes being his mother just incredibly rewarding. Can we go back a little bit when he was diagnosed, especially being the second child? I was wondering how how you felt because the first child was normal and normal development. So you're used to that. And the second yeah. child having been diagnosed, how did it feel when you found out? Actually, it was a huge relief because I had my intuition, my mommy gut had basically told me for about a year that something was up. He needed some extra help. He needed some assistance, uh, more than what we could give him. And so I did. I cried tears of relief. Uh, many of my friends were like, I'm so sorry. And I don't, don't be sorry on his diagnosis. This is exciting because this opens up so many more doors for him when it comes to getting help. And it's just one part of him. It's not who he is. It's just part, one part of him, one puzzle piece. And it just gave us, I'm thinking now I get to really know my son and now I can try to, I can't, I can empathize. I'm never going to know 100% because I am not on the spectrum, though I do believe all of us all have sensory issues. We all have things, a little quirk. So essentially, we're all kind of there. It just depends if we need assistance or not. So yeah, you know, it's one of those things where I felt relief. I was excited. Just the fact that there was doors opening, we could get him help. I think I pretty much told anybody, like I was to the point we'd go out somewhere and he'd play with a little kid like, oh, well, he's autistic. Well, now I quit doing that because I'm thinking he's just a kid. And if one of part of his autism is uh, jumping and humming when he gets very excited. And so, you know, I used to say, oh, well, he, you know, he's getting loud and jumping and humming because he's autistic. And now I'm just, that's just Jackson. If you don't like it, you can go in the other direction. That's but great. Um, yeah, my husband did have a little bit of, which is normal. You know, he was sad. He said, um, I don't know how to really process this. He's, I'm like, you know, that's completely normal. There's a lot to take in. And he didn't tell lots of people. He didn't tell, I was like, oh my gosh, Jackson's autistic. This is great because now I can really start kind of studying him, understanding him and figure out ways to communicate and, lo- and really love him the way he needs to be loved. And my husband was a little more hesitant. My husband actually felt like he felt guilty. He was like, did I give him this? You know, did, is there something, you know, and there's different theories as far as, you know, I know the more uh, you know, severe as far as on the spectrum, there are some cases of, of autism that are linked to genetics. We have had genetic testing. There, There is not for us. Um, that was mainly because we got the genetic testing because Jackson actually has chromosome that's actually repeated three times. And so we got it tested. Everything is fine. So my husband had that. And so we're on two different kind of mental spaces about it. But I really tried to empathize with him and realize that it wasn't his fault. There's no one to blame if your child has special needs. That's just the way they were made to be. We are all different in various ways and we're similar and we're different. And so we've really tried to, my husband's definitely better now. We talk about it openly and what, and what that's like, but he, he did, he struggled for probably a good six months with it. Which, you know, and uh, you know, which I'm is so fine. Ha- that's normal. 
And I think I'm very happy that we're talking about that because I feel like uh, in this part of the world, there is a little bit higher percentage of autistic or, or autism just because we have a lot of cousin marriages, interfamily marriages, just the, the way things are here. So you will see that for the population, obviously it's not as big as America, but here for the population and percentage yeah. wise, it is high. So just not too long ago, I think it might have been several years ago, they started doing blood tests just to avoid mm-hmm. having any more developmental delays. Or So we have Down syndrome, we have autism is the highest here. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I think the reason I'm glad we're talking about this, because I feel like whenever, like, for example, my friend is a physician. He told, called me and said, look, my son, uh, he's not talking. He's uh, three years old or four years old. He was giving me some symptoms that it sounds like he's autistic. And the first thing he says to me, Juliet, do you think he's autistic? Oh, my God, I wouldn't know what to do if he is. Like in this part of the world, they're worried about, is this like, is this something that it's my fault or is God punishing me or did I do something wrong that gave me this? How can I, what will I do to take care of him? This is going to be an over, I felt like he didn't say that, but he was like, felt like he was saying this is going to be an overwhelming thing in my life and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, and then I said, look, look, we don't know. Let him get tested first. Once we figure out there's a lot of more um, autistic centers now here than they used to be. They are private. They're very expensive. We don't have insurance that covers here. But still, like the idea of like the only thing he was worried about, did I do something wrong? Is it my genes? Is God punishing me? What I'm going to do? And he's like, Juliet, you tell me, what should I do if they told me I have an autistic child? Like it was like the end of the world, the way he was talking. And it, it made and then he was almost in tears and terrified. And and I felt like, you know, you have to treat him just like any other kid. I mean, there's he's, he needs a, certain programs. We sign him up. We do this like very logical. And he was God, please. And then he says, please pray for me that I don't have an autistic child. And so I'm so happy that you're saying this. And I think for our listeners, this is great because we need to understand that just like you're saying, he's just like every other kid and he plays like other kid and he talks like other kid. And I don't know. Right. I can see that that, that's one thing I think about autism that's kind of universal, that no matter where you live is just like, oh, my gosh, what does this mean? Yeah. What does this mean? God's like, overwhelming. yeah, yeah. How am I going to do this? And we actually have on my side, there actually is two other children. They are cousins. One's a second cousin. Another one is a fourth cousin that um, are also on the spectrum and those kind of different levels. So then it kind of became a compare game is, oh, well, Jackson can communicate, but Colt can't. So you're fortunate in that. And I thought, yes, yes, there are blessings that yes, Jackson can communicate. I know that there's some kids that can't, but you know, before that he was still able to communicate. He just wasn't using his words. And, you know, then there was kind of a comparison. Well, our our kid is worse off than your child. And that's not about that. Everyone has their own unique things that makes them different and just need to embrace that. Because I personally think if we were all the same, how boring life would be and that we all have unique things to ourselves. And I, you know, I've read a lot of different books of different people who are autistic that are married and have children and have a successful career. It's just finding what works for them. So yeah, to me, it, it is no different. And just knowing that, you know, they're not alone, that there's a lot of people. And honestly, I think that there's more people on the spectrum uh, that just don't know it. 
is because they were, and they were just told, well, I'm just kind of quirky or this is just who I am. And this is before people were using the word autism, right? And before it became this thing of being, which I'm glad people are getting diagnosed, they can get help. And to me, yeah, it's just another piece of the puzzle. And you're allowed to feel all those things, but it's definitely not the end of the world, though your brain's going to make you think that it is the end of the world and it's overwhelming and it can be at times. And I like to tell myself that it's not so much that God made me more patient than anyone else to give us Jackson. It's that that Jackson, they gave us Jackson because they knew, God knew this is what we needed and he needed us and we needed him and that we can give the love that he needs. There's a give and take. Like I said, he's, I think he's taught me more than any of my children just because, like I said, just the not caring and to be present in the moment and to just relax. If the if he wants to wear his shirt backwards because he thinks that it feels better, well, who cares? <laughs> Is it going to be that big of a deal if he wears his shirt backwards? No. Do I have to cut the tag off? Okay. I have certain fabrics that bother me too that are itchy or that's fine. You know, to let him be himself, I'm not going to tell any of my children not to be themselves. So why would I stop my autistic child from being themselves? No, it makes sense. Quick question. Now, going into it, I want to just bring up someone that we had on the show before, Proud Mom Diaries. Her name was Esma Belriti. I think it was like episode 14, 15. And she has a daughter with Down syndrome and a son with autism also. For parents like you guys, just embracing it is so important and it's so difficult. How did you know? What was that moment when you were like, all right, I have to embrace this. I have to go forward with it and try and do the best that I can as a parent. It was actually probably before his diagnosis because a lot of people were telling me, my mother, friends, oh, well, he's just the second child. So that's why he's not talking. Or you are coddling him too much, not giving him a chance to speak. I heard all these different things I'm ahead of other people basically trying to tell me kind of how to parent. And I had to decide that, okay, God gave me Jackson for a reason. And I have to, I'm the parent, I am responsible. And what essentially do we want for our kids, right? We all want our children to be fully functioning adults in society, right? That are good citizens, right? That are giving back, take care. That's what we want, essentially, at a whole is we just, yeah, that's what we want. Like, you know, and that's what it all comes down to is the core as a parent. And you're just like, how can I help my child achieve that? To be a fully functioning adult that's a good, I would say, a world citizen that is loving and embracing and is able to pursue their dreams or has a good stable job and is able to, I believe everyone should have a hobby outside of their job and, and something they do just for themselves. You essentially want them to be happy with their lives. And so I made that decision even before the diagnosis that I was going to do what I can to make sure that he had a good life. I don't want him to have just an okay life. I want to do whatever I can and whatever I can financially because we weren't, if we didn't have the insurance to pay for the ABA therapy, we wouldn't be able to afford it. And so I was very fortunate in that instance. But using social media, going to the library, getting books, listening to audiobooks of other people's experiences and stuff, I just kind of, I did. I just kind of took this stance even before that no matter what the diagnosis was, I was going to do what I can to make sure that he has a happy life. And whatever that looks like at the at this moment. And so then we can help them be that fully functioning adult that is a, a good person in society. I, yeah, it was it was before the diagnosis. And then when they got the diagnosis, it was just a relief because it was like, now I can really research and understand and, and really get to know him better. 
He hates it now when I ask him questions about his, he doesn't even know he's autistic. He has no idea. He, according to him, is we're the weird ones and he's fine. That's an awesome that's perspective. That's so true. <laughs> it, it, it really right. is true. Like, we that is so true. <laughs> yeah. To him, which is fine. Like I said, it is Jackson's world and we're just living in it. And it's just fine. He does not care. We have, you know, the Chiefs for the Super Bowl or whatever. So everyone's dressed in red. He's all like, and it's pajama day or wear red. He's all like, I'm doing pajamas and I'm doing Minecraft, which is green and red. I'm like, you do you, whatever you want to wear. He doesn't care. Now he started to become a little aware of people will say, well, they want to know why I jump all the time. And I'm like, just tell him you're excited. You like to jump, you know, like it's whatever it is. He's, he has great calf muscles. I think he could really be like an Olympic athlete or like in the fear of like, when it comes to long jump or something like that, the way much as he jumps all the time. But yeah, it, it was before that. I just kind of made this. And that's kind of been, I guess, with all my children. Like, so even with my oldest now, who I truly believe is an empath, and he is a very just sensitive soul of teaching him to become aware of his emotions, but realize he's not his emotions and then how to work past those. So teaching him some meditation to help him sleep when he's, he's in fourth grade. So he's anxious about a test coming up or teaching him some emotional freedom tapping just to kind of release that or teaching him to journal just how he's feeling and and teaching them just the really simple different techniques, which are self-care to kind of help navigate his emotions as, as someone who feels emotions a little more strongly. And that's okay because I tell him that's a superpower because I'm the same way. So I, I guess I've taken that approach with with all my children and our youngest is a, a little girl. So I tell people, essentially my children are, it's my past, present, and future. My oldest has helped me deal with my past issues as my own anxiety and depression and and what tools I can learn to teach him and that Jackson healthy focus on the present and being mindful and not giving a damn what people think. And then Piper is the future. I think about as a woman owning a business with three kids, pursuing my passion, taking financial risk, what kind of role model am I being for her? And I'm going to try to be the best I can. I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect role model. But I want to be able to show her that as many times as life tries to knock you down, it doesn't matter how many times it happens, how many times you get up. And so it's all about getting up. And it's not about the knockdown. It's about the getting back up. So that's essentially what I tell people. They're my past, present, and future. If there is one experience of yours that you could give to every parent out there or every person out there dealing with mindset issues and um, a self-rewarding policy that they haven't come up with, what experience would you give to them or what advice would you give to them that has helped you over the last several years? Sure. So I believe in affirmations, but I believe that everyone's affirmations should be kind of tailored to them. Everyone's different. We all have different things we need to hear. So one that I think is universal that people have told me they find it really helpful and stuff is that, um, you know, matter how you feel in the morning. So it's, you basically say, wake up and you, you don't, you slept wrong or you overslept or whatever. And I like to tell people to say to themselves, I don't have to feel amazing to do amazing things. All I have to do is start and the amazing will follow. So essentially that's what that's so true. It's like, you're not going to feel, I don't always feel like I want to get up and be on it or though I find out this is definitely my passion because I don't even need coffee and I can talk about this. So that's how I know this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So, but uh, it doesn't matter. I get, I, that's, that's how I roll. So I've, but you're not always, there's still days I'm not going to, I don't want to write that article. I don't want to do this and that. It's like, okay, well, I don't have to feel amazing. I'm honoring my feelings. I, I see what I'm feeling. I'm tired. I'm sad. I'm frustrated. Frustration's a big one because frustration is just unmet expectations that we haven't addressed. 
So yeah. I, and I think I think it's that's it's great. I mean, especially like you know, I'm a practicing psychologist, and I feel like lots of people like, especially now it's winter for us, but our winter is very dry here, so we don't get snow, but it's cold. I love but, winter. Are you kidding I, me? It's the only time we uh, can get outside. Look, in the winter I love here. winter here <laughs> because I'm from Chicago, so of course here I like winter, but it's in your bone kind of winter. But anyways, I mean, it's like you constantly get people saying. I mean, especially now, it's like people saying, "I don't feel like it." I always get up in the morning morning and I feel anxious and I feel like I can't do anything. And and you're right. And I always tell them that we don't have to really feel great to do great things. And it's true. Right. I mean, I wake up, especially now as you're cold and, you know, our houses are not that equipped with heat. So the idea is, is that you wake up and you don't feel like doing it. And I constantly have to push myself because I got to go and teach. I have to go and see patients. So I don't wait for a moment where I'm saying I wait till it feels good because it might never feel good. And then later yeah. on, it does follow. It's true. You're right. I always say that once you start, it will be fine. But some people are hard to motivate. They don't get that concept and they're still waiting for things to be good. So I think what you're saying makes amazing. Uh, it's amazing. And it makes sense. Thank you. And, you know, and I think right. more people should be more practical about that. But, you know, I want right. to. I think... No, no, no. Go ahead. But no, you go. Just, no, no, going... I'll go. I'll go. You go. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Men don't go. I'll only women. <laughs> I'll keep going if you let me. So if you have any questions, please send them my way. No, and I was thinking that with your self-care, right? At what, you know, I, And you might have said that, but like at what moment, it was after your second child that you decided, I really, I love the example. I didn't, I went, I'm going back to that example. It's like when, pe- when our kids bring a star and then you're thinking, when do I get my star? It's so true. When do parents <laughs> right? get their star? That's true. So was, yeah. it, was it after your second child that you felt like, really, I need to figure out some way to take care of myself? Were you already taking care of yourself and, and thought, well, let me share it with people? I was, but but not, I had no idea about, you know, the mind and mental health and self-care. I was uneducated. I was unaware. I was like, I was very much the workout and eat healthy. And at that point I had identified with some body dysmorphia, which is very common, especially after you have a child, you think, okay, now quickly I have to lose the weight. Right. And because I want my husband to find me attractive and now really it should be, I want to lose the weight so I can be healthy and be active to chase my kids around and and be with them. So I was taking care of myself, but not like this. I was unaware of my self-talk. My family has things like anxiety and depression. They were not talked about. I've made them all talk about it now. (laughs) And so they feel more comfortable talking about it with me since I've opened up that discussion. And they've come out and said, yeah, I have anxiety, depression, so forth. I was, but not to this extent. And that's why I say that emotional and mental self-care is so important because you know, I thought I was happy and at times I was, but there were issues I see now that I was just kind of pushing under the rug. It's one thing to be aware of your issues. Many of us are aware of our stuff, of our BS, of our crap. But then when you decide it's that action, it's that action I say mixed with self-compassion because we all want instant gratification, right? When we start a new lifestyle change and we want to start eating healthier, what do we do? Especially the new year, everyone's all about, I'm going to do Whole30 or I'm going to do intermittent fasting or something like that. And they crash and burn because they go hard so fast. They don't realize that it's a journey and it's going to have ups and downs and one step forward or, you know, yeah, you're going to take two steps back before you go one step forward again. That's kind of how it works. And you kind of kind of do this dance in life when you start 
rewiring your mind because whether our parents know it or not, they kind of pass down, this is a whole different subject, but kind of pass down some of their trauma. It's us. true. And so we have we're we secondary have to traumatization. <laughs> yeah, true. yeah. I was aware with that with my mother. My no one in my family owns a business. My mother has worked in the medical field her entire life until she actually has an optical brain tumor. And so another part of this app is is those that are chronically ill and they need some encouragement. So that's why the app was also simplistic for those like my mother who had two strokes and now cannot work. And so now she is home just because cognitively she's she's just not able to do the task she used to be able to do. And then my father has worked on trains his entire life. And it's one of those things where they just got a job and that was their job for 40 years. And that's that's great if that's what they chose to do. My husband is that way. We are different in that aspect. And I thought I was that way, but it turns out I, I was not. And so it's kind of this awareness, but also then taking action. And so Knowing that my mother's, I did, I had on some of her, some of her body issues. I'm, I'm taller, I'm thicker than her. And she would put herself down. She, we'd go somewhere. We look very similar though. I, I, I hear that I'm told that I talk and act like my father. And so I would, uh, it's like, like it's a bad thing. I think it's a great thing, but apparently it's a bad thing. But essentially, you know, we'd go somewhere and they say, Oh, Kristen, you know, nice to see you, Tammy and Kristen, Tammy, Kristen's so beautiful. She looks just like you. And my mother would say, I know, poor thing. Psychologically, <laughs> uh, she didn't realize that that self-deprecation, what it was doing to me. Yeah, She was just like, oh, well, because my mother was never told she was beautiful. My mother was four out of five. She was the youngest till she was 14. So she had more of those typically personality traits of the youngest child, very outgoing, kind of the class clowns, always making jokes. And so she was very athletic. And so therefore, she just identified as an athletic person that was funny. She never identified that she was beautiful. And even to this day, she won't even say she's beautiful. So she always told me I was beautiful because she never heard that. So she was trying to correct that. But what she ended up doing is that she kind of taught me that I've had to unlearn is that I relied on other people's opinions. If I went out somewhere to a party and no one said my dress was cute, well, then my dress must be ugly. If nobody said I was pretty, then therefore my value became in my looks and not in my mind. And she didn't mean to do that. That was something she passed down that she had no idea until we had a a serious discussion about it. So it's things like that. It might even be like, like big T, like big trauma. It could be little things like that, that we don't realize. And so it's kind of this awareness. And then it comes with action and self-compassion when you really want to start taking growth is that I'm 33, almost 34. If I will start working on this work now, I'm thinking I have 33 years of this in my brain. I'm not going to rewire my brain overnight or in a month. But I tell myself that when I'm working on something as a limiting belief that I deserve to do hard things for myself. My goal is to be the best version of myself every single day. Some days it looks different. It depends on that day. But there's different versions of me and I need to honor myself by pushing myself to do those hard things. And I tell people all the time when I do individual coaching, they'll say, okay, I'm aware. I've got all these issues I want to work on and they want to work on them all at once. And I say, okay, you got a whole suitcase of emotional baggage. Pick one, (laughs) pick one thing of your crap and work on that. And by working on that, you'll see how your suitcase gets lighter in other areas you want to work on. Because if you try to work on all your issues at once, that's incredibly overwhelming. And that takes a lot of emotional resilience. And I've done that. And I do not recommend that to anybody. So where I just try to go all gung-ho and like three different issues at once. And it was intense. So to pick one thing you want to work on, for instance, for self-care, that could be maybe I want to drink more water. I don't drink enough water, you know, so, or I don't feel like I do. Okay. So then what kind of action can you put in place that's realistic? Maybe that's 
getting a glass and marking the time frame. So then, you know, by 10 o'clock, you have to have this much of your water drank and by noon and by one and by two or things of this nature or reward yourself. Like for instance, maybe I don't have caffeine. I have to drink a full glass of water before I have my coffee. So then I know I'm getting some sort of water in. There's, there's small little steps. And I believe that's the key to success is the small consistent steps that we do for ourselves daily. And so when it comes to self-care, that's all it is. It's just small, consistent things we can do for ourselves that essentially just feel good to us, whatever that may be. And like I said, everyone's self-care is different. My husband loves to cook. Um, he loves to garden. I, I kill plants, you know, so that's <laughs> not my thing. <laughs> but that's, that's his creativity is his creativity can come out and cooking and in gardening. So we can, you know, we do our own, own uh, spaghetti sauce and things of this nature. We do a lot of our own um, foods whenever we can, when it comes to vegetables, him knowing that about himself. So a lot of that too, is just self-discovery. And what's interesting too, I'm married young. And so a lot of times too, you kind of take on some of your partner's traits and you don't always really know what you like. I work with a lot of women. They're just like, oh, well, my husband likes this type of show. I'm like, well, do you like that show? And they're like, well, yeah, well, why do you like it? And they can't really give an answer. I'm like, you like it because you were trying to be nice and watch that show. You really don't like that show. And that's okay. So kind of get to know yourself. So self-care is also kind of a self-discovery about finding out how unique and incredible you are and then just honoring that in some way, a way that looks realistic and affordable for you. That's amazing. And I mean, when will the app be out on iTunes? I mean, as we're wrapping up here, when will your application be available on iTunes so that people from here in Kuwait can actually check it out? Because I think Kuwait people will find a need for self-care. And I think it will be such a great tool moving forward for a lot of people. And it sounds so easy because, you know, even you don't need to speak English to be able to use it, I'm assuming, right? But here no, people, no, no, you know, yeah, it sounds yeah, like very got, simple. Uh, yeah. The pictures and some of that suggestions, you can, everything is in English now, but there's pictures with each one that we've already, the 16 curated suggestions. So it's pretty obvious what it stands for, but you can put in your own things. And of course, and so that means in whatever language you choose to put that in. No, but I yeah, definitely will really, recommend it to my yeah, patients. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing that we're hoping to do is once we launch is to have professionals use it as a tool with their patients to kind of see how it works. And because you can be able to, it's a a line chart. So you'll have like a dashboard and you'll be able to kind of see, you know, the self-care and how it's done over time. And with Dr. Dinka, for instance, if she subscribed that to one of her patients, could she, because there are coaching apps where I could see the progress of athletes. So would she be able to mm. see the progress of her patients? Now, is there a shareable link or is that later stages, so to speak? That's the later stage. Like here, we have to uh, worry about like HIPAA and yeah. things of this nature. So we're trying to navigate that and how that works with But the self-care really fall into it? I mean, self-care doesn't really fall into confidential information. Because they're not really putting know, anything so in there, right? Well, it depends on what they put in there, you know, as far as what, how detailed they get. We're, we are exploring that. And so that is something that is definitely on the table to use. Businesses are interested in possibly using it. And I am hesitant on that more so than I am for the professionals because of the information that might be in there. It's true, yeah. um, So therefore, we, we are navigating that. Um, but yeah, we're just really, once we get launched as getting professionals to to use it, kind of test it out, what works, what doesn't this first year. But hopefully in the next four to six weeks, it will be out. Like I said, I'm getting emails from Apple daily 
with different updates and where it's at in the review process um, with my development team. So I'm very excited to get that version out so then we can really start promoting it. So if people follow me on social media, they'll be able to really know when it's out. Our Facebook and Instagram is at Mindstar app. There's the weekly self-care newsletter that we do. You can sign up at mindstarapp.com. That's also a great way. I go to people's emails about once a week with some self-care tips, just overall insights of different parts of self-care, kind of where we are in our journey. And that's also a great way to someone who wants to follow us. And so they'll know as soon as the iOS version's out, because I'm going to announce it to the world on a giant megaphone. And so <laughs> I am ready working on this. And though typically for apps, it, it could take up to two years. So I know that we're doing this actually fairly quickly, but still as you know, this has overall been a little over 18 months of, of dreaming about it and cultivating and I, I designed the wireframe, so how it all looks, things of this nature and the colors with it and did the studies of you know the colors that we're using and all this research behind it. There's a lot of that I designed with my kids around me after they went to bed, which is why my creativity peaks between 8 p.m. and midnight. And I'm trying to curb that, but that's how my body works. <laughs> hey, that's, works. That's, yeah. that's how it works. Yeah. Well, bef- before we wrap yeah. up, I'm going to introduce Dr. D to this now. We do something called a rapid fire question. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm going to shoot some questions at you. First thing that comes to mind is your answer. All right, you ready? <laughs> okay. All right. Where would you rather live, the moon or ocean? Ocean. What would you rather do, drive a car or a bus and why? Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm going to say bus. And I would drive a bus because I could hold all my stuff. And if I decided I wanted to go travel, I could just put all my stuff on my bus. <laughs> all right. All right. See, I would have picked, uh, picked bus because I, I, bus I, I would, would want to talk to people. <laughs> I picked pick bus because it's bigger. <laughs> um, would, you rather, yeah. would you rather eat fish or meat for the rest of your life? You can only have one, fish Ooh, or meat. Fish. All right. Would you rather be a monk or a politician? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I said, right. Okay. My mind said monk right away. So my uh, brain's going to argue why, but I'll say monk. All right. Would you rather be stuck on an island or on a mountain? Island. All right. That's a good one. I would choose the mountain, but. I'd choose an island just because it's on land. All right. All right. Here's, here's, here's a good one. Warm. There's going to be unlimited drinks on this island, right? <laughs> here's the important one. This is one of my favorites. Be a singer or a clown. <laughs> as long as you're not joker. Singer. Though, singer, be- because now with all the technology, they could like make my voice actually sound like better. <laughs> So I'm going to say singer. All right. All right. Then they were not thinking like a pop star, but you know, a, a singer. I was sure. thinking we'll clown until Joker came out. <laughs> See, I was, I was thinking clown because I like to make like, it's like, you, I like to make people laugh. Me too. I know. I've always wished if I was this, I wished to be a singer just because I feel like singers, they can really express their feelings in some really nice voice. Like sometimes I'm in the bathroom thinking or in the room, I was thinking that would be self-care for me if I only knew how to sing. Because I think when I listen to music, that's self-care. Dr. D, the world's a better place without you singing. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's what my son I'm said. I'm joking. I'm totally joking. <laughs> Even yeah, music is great. Music therapy is a phenomenal great. self-care. It it's really great. good. I know. That's why I have a padded room. Dr. D, you can sing in here whenever you want. Just tell me so I can leave the room. <laughs> 
I'm going to surprise you one day. Take some classes and you'll see. Oh, boy. <laughs> Kristen, oh, yeah. Kristen, thanks for coming on the show. We love what you're doing and everything that you stand for is absolutely amazing. And I can't wait to try the app out once it's launched. And we'll definitely tag everything in our show notes or tag all your links within our show notes. And hopefully we'll get to bring you back on the show again sometime soon. Once it, it launches, we would like to have you give it some trials. So just to see what you what people are thinking about it and what are the feedback could be sure. great. I'm sure the first month yeah, is no, going to be a lot of trials and, you know, things that you have to yeah, oh, fix. Yeah. Yes. yes. But yes. after that, I think... Part of it. But I think this is a great idea. And, you know, we live in this world that is so fast paced and everyone is looking for some sort of an app. Actually, soon we will have an app here that is for um, uh, how to seek help or, you know, like you guys have in the U.S., uh, counseling on the go or wherever. And this uh, Kuwaiti family have uh, just developed an app. She was telling me about her crisis, also how long Apple takes to, but she says they're very thorough and they'll get things done, but it takes time. And so pretty does, soon yeah. we'll have, we'll even have that here where people can actually have no excuse of going into an office for therapy because we don't have a, an online app for counseling. So that's as good. I think we're, you know, we're set up. Yeah. Thank this you so great. much. Yeah, Thank exciting. you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you guys so much. Thank it's you. been an honor. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at The Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.